So now please open your Bibles to the book of Malachi again. We'll be reading Malachi chapter 2, verse 17 to verse 12 of the next chapter. If you're using the church Bibles, it's on page 969. Malachi chapter 2, verse 17 to chapter 3, verse 12. So now please pay attention to this infallible word of our Lord. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourers, devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all your all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, 
says the Lord of hosts. Amen. This is the word of our Lord. So this evening, we want to continue exploring this book of Malachi. And so far, we have observed really various shortcomings of the people of Israel. Their covenant breaking before the Lord, despite the Lord's declaration of love in the very beginning. I have loved you. The Lord has always been faithful to his covenant covenant relationship with his people. By grace alone, God made a covenant with his people as his bond of love, borrowing Professor Mackay's words. But we, we, we really see these people's unfaithfulness to, to this covenant relationship, which was represented by various how questions they asked before the Lord. How have you loved us? How have we despised your name? Why does God not accept our offerings? People ask all these questions before the Lord, not understanding why God is so, so angry at them. Today's passage opens with another how question from the people. If you look up um, chapter 2, verse 17. How? How have we wearied him? Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Yet Malachi is clearly pointing out that they have wearied God by saying, You have wearied the Lord with your words. But I think we can sort of sympathize these people in terms of what they are observing in the world. Actually, we may often have a similar sort of question in our hearts. Why do these people, why do those evil people, why, why do those, those who do not believe in God, who, who do not fear God, seem to rather prosper in this world, while we, God's people, who believe in God, who trust in God, often struggle with all sorts of things in our life or in our circumstances. Well, these things, may, some, some of them may come from our own sin, others from, from our circumstances, from, from the fallen world that, that is around us. In Psalm 73, we, we just praised the psalmist, here, actually struggles with the same reality he faces in his life when he says, but, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So they are asking the same question. Where is the God of justice? Why does God seem so indifferent to all the wicked situations in this world? Is he really in charge? Brothers and sisters, have, have we ever felt the similar way? 
well, especially in, in Japan, where, where I'm from, where Christianity is a very small minority, and, and most people just do not believe in, in God. And many people around us seem to, to prosper without fearing God or believing in the true God. And when we Christians in Japan see such people thriving, we, we often feel rather sort of conflicted. Especially when we are in the midst of trials. Especially when we are, we are under pressure of, of being you know, Christians in, in Japan. When, when other people are trying to, to, to oppress us because of our faith. You know, we, we, we tend to, we often al- almost forget how much of a blessing it is to us by, by, by living. To us, how much of a blessing it is for us to, to live by our given faith. And, and we, we, we sometimes find ourselves thinking like, you know, those who don't believe in God seem to be just, just happier. Or, or maybe some, some Christians may, may even, even think it doesn't matter whether, whether I have faith or not because we, we, will, be, we, will, we will be happy anyways. But we need to remember, first of all, that these lines of thought may have been behind the covenant-breaking attitude of the people in the time of Malachi. And behind us, when we, when we consciously or unconsciously disrespect our covenant relationship with the Lord, we need to think. We, we need to think as as if you know that this this the, the people's attitude in, in today's passage would be quite quite you know relevant to to what we face in this world today. But in response to this. God immediately answers the mourning and complaints of the people by saying, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. There will be a royal visitation of our king. The Lord himself is coming. And before that king arrives, he will send a messenger to prepare his way. And we already know how this prophecy was fulfilled in history. Because we are told in the New Testament that this prophecy was specifically fulfilled by John the Baptist, who was sent to prepare the way before the true king. And after the forerunner, that forerunner, John the Baptist, the Lord himself will come. The Lord whom we seek, you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. And of course, this verse refers to our Lord Jesus Christ, the the incarnate Son of God who came to this world as the, the Messiah the true anointed one. So this passage is really a a precise prophecy, prophesying that Jesus Christ himself will be coming. And through this king, through this, this God, judgment will be poured out on those who do not fear the Lord 
if you look at verse 5 of chapter 3. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me. There will be a judgment to all those who do not fear God. And this judgment is so sudden. The Lord whom you, you, you seek will suddenly come, verse 1 says. And no one on earth can stand and endure when this judgment is carried out by the coming of the true king. Interestingly, this is what the psalmist of Psalm 73c also sees when, when he enters into God's sanctuary in the very, very presence of God where he, he discerns the end of the arrogant people around him. God will put them in, um, to, to the end, and the judgment will come so suddenly. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when, when one awakes, O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. Brothers and sisters, we, we need to know this judgment. Th th this is real. The Bible, in, in many passages, talks about this judgment carried out by the true king, true Messiah. Even if to, to our own eyes, those wicked people, those, those, those people who do not believe in God, they, they seem to, to prosper in this world. But in, 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 in the real sense, they are already on a slippery place because God will judge all the enemies of God. <coughs> but secondly, we want to... Learn from today's passage that Jesus does not come to this world just to ex execute judgment upon those who do not fear God. Because if, if that's the case, all of us would have been judged by, by the Lord. Because we are, we were all sinners before God. We were once all enemies of God by our, our sin, by nature. But we want to remember this evening that this Lord, the true Messiah, Jesus Christ, is called the messenger of the covenant in Malachi 3.1. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. Jesus came to this world as the messenger messenger of the covenant for us. Of course, those who do not fear the Lord are judged by this messenger of the covenant because the covenant of God demands obedience to God. And, and blood must be shed for those who do not keep their, their obligations, the, the, the obligations of covenant. That's why the, the animals were, were cut in half 
when when Abraham made covenant with with God, this 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 shows that 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 those who do not follow who do not follow the covenant must die. However, all mankind have sin by nature. We are born with our sin, just as David sang in, in Psalm fifty one. Our mother conceived us with our sin. And so for us, keeping God's covenant by our own strength or by our own will or whatever is absolutely impossible. We have no chance. We will be under God's judgment if we rely on ourselves. Yet, there is another significance in Jesus coming to this world as the messenger of the covenant. According to this passage, Jesus came to this world to purify his people. Jesus came to this world to purify his people. In Isaiah 42, where the messianic prophecy is given, in, in, in verse 6, it reads, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. But if we look carefully, what does this verse mean? I mean, what, what is the father saying to his son? I will give you as a covenant for the people. I think this prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus being the sacrifice for our sin. When his blood was shed on our behalf. At the table, at the Last Supper, Jesus exp explained this to his disciples. He took his, his, the cup of wine and, and Jesus said, This is my blood of the covenant. This is my blood of the covenant. Jesus was referring to the cup of wine which represented the shedding of his blood on the cross. And he calls it my blood of a covenant. In the Old Testament sacrifices, the blood from the slaughtered animal was often used to, to consecrate or to, to purify the people or even the objects. Because that sacrificed animal was killed on behalf of the offerer. They were offered as ransom for the offerer's sin and impurity. And therefore, the, the animal's blood was, was often poured or sprinkled upon the people or upon the altar in order to purify the object. And the Old Testament sacrifices point, points to, point to Christ who offered his life on the cross to pay ransom for his people. He offered himself as the true sacrifice. His blood shed on the cross purifies those who believe in him. And that is exactly what today's passage is talking about. This messenger of the covenant will come to purify his people. Verses 2 and 3 read, for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soup. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi 
and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. I think these verses intentionally use the, refer to the, the previous um, evil acts of, of the priests, the, the sons of Levi. What they were doing, they, they were offering sick animals or, or you know, lame animals as, as sacrifices. And what was the result? God didn't appreciate their sacrifice. But now, after the sons of Levi are refined, are purified, with, by, by this messenger of, of, of the covenant. They will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Their offerings will be accepted to the Lord. Gold and silver are refined through fire. And soap here is, is, is more of like a, like a bleaching process in, in our, our modern terms. And, and we all know that refining and bleaching are not easy processes. They sometimes involve rather, rather hardship or even painful process, pr procedures. If you want to refine a metal and make it a pure gold or silver, you need a really high temperature higher. And you need to refine the metal really carefully. If you want to bleach your, your clothes, you know, the, as, as, as many of you know, the, the bleach, you, you don't want to spill it onto anything else because it, it will bleach everything. But this refining and bleach, bleaching process is necessary for the people of God to receive blessings from his covenant, from God's covenant. Those who, who do not go through the, the process may, may seem happier or even more prosperous in this world. But, but we as God's people need to be purified. We need to be consecrated as God's people as we seek to walk in his ways. This is not something, you know, superficial, like, like just tidying up of, of, of our, our personal life. You know, get, just getting rid of a few, few bad habits or, 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 you know, something like that. Maybe that can be manageable by, by our own. But we're, we're, we're now talking about, but we are now talking about this work of God that, that really transforms a sinner's heart and, 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 and the sinner's life. God seeks out every bit of impurities and, and uncleanness that, that is within us, and, and he burns them up. And that's what we need in our life, nothing less than that. But we also need to remember that the goal of the refiner is not destruction, of course. To refine silver or gold does not aim to destroy them. It is rather to purify them so that at the end of the process there, there will be a pure silver or gold mixed with nothing else. The heat must be applied 
but but as a result, the the, the impurities rise and are skimmed off from from that metal, and and that is exactly how Jesus serves as the messenger of the covenant for us. It is the blood of, that Jesus shed, followed by his triumphant resurrection. Of course, that that makes it possible for us sinners to enter this covenant of grace that God has given us in order to receive blessings from it. Jesus has done everything needed. And therefore, what we need to do is to believe and trust in this Jesus Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ. God already knows that we are weak and sinful, but he has given us means to return to him. Malachi 3.6 For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. As we read in, in these verses, God knows that his people have been always unfaithful to him. But still, he keep, keeps calling them to return to them, to him. And he says, I will return to you. And he fulfilled this wonderful prophecy by sending his own son as the messenger of his covenant to this world. We must remember that God has always been faithful to his covenant from the very beginning. And through his covenant, he sent us the messenger, Jesus Christ. And through him, God is calling us to return to him. God is calling his people to return to him. We can return to the Lord through Jesus Christ, through his blood, through being purified, through being cleansed by his blood. But now we want to look briefly at the, at the following several verses at the end of today's passage. It is, it is often so disappointing, disappointing when we see, you know, the people still sort of walking unfaithfully before the Lord, even after this wonderful prospect that the Lord has given to them. Even after the Lord says, return to me. And I will return to you. But the people responds to that, that wonderful calling from the Lord by saying, How shall we return? Another how question before the Lord. To such people, God urges them strongly once again. And this is done through the, the words in verse 10, in which the Lord says, Bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Put me to the test. (coughs) 
Do you remember how the people responded to the declaration of love in, in, in the very beginning of this book? Where, where God says, I have loved you. The people responded by saying, How have you loved us? As if seeking proof of God's love without, without trusting him. And it seems as, as if God is sort of responding to that question by saying, Put me to the test. Well, God shows love in a way that we can all understand, that we can all see. And therefore, instead of selfishly seeking evidence of that love, we need to first accept the blessing God reveals to us. And we need to respond to his love by using the means God has prepared for us. Particularly in this passage, it is our tithing. God is not just saying, you know, you need to respond to me. But he has given us the means to respond to his covenant love. I think this passage is one of the well-known verses um, in this book of Malachi. Because it is often cited as a, as a sort of scriptural, script, scriptural basis for our tithing. But now the context should be clear to us. Many people in Japan, I think some Christians even, regard tithing and offering as sort of like a means to, to be saved or to receive, to receive blessing from the Lord. But that is absolutely wrong as it, as it is evident in, in this passage. We don't give offerings to, to buy our tickets to, to heaven or anything. We are not buying like indulgences to, to reduce the amount of, of punishment we, we have to go through um, because of our sins. Rather, tithing is the means, of, means God has prepared for us to respond to his covenant love he has given us already. We don't give tithes to be saved. We don't give tithes to, to justify us or, or purify ourselves. We don't give tithes to gain favor from God or anything, but it is the other way around. We give tithes because we are already included in God's covenant, because we are already receiving blessings from his covenant. We give tithes because we are justified and purified through the blood of Jesus. We give tithes because because God has already loved us through his son, Jesus. And we seek to respond to his love through his covenant by giving tithes. Tithing is, is a means God prepared for us to respond to his covenant of love. By nature, we are nothing more than, than robbers before God as, as these people are addressed as, as the robbers, you are robbing me. We often fail short. We often fail to meet the obligations of the covenant demands from us. But again, for, for such sinners, the, our Lord sent us the messenger of the covenant, Jesus Christ. Christ has given himself for us, and we are brought into the covenant of grace. And, and this is exactly how we live. God loves us, and we seek to love 
God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to respond to God's love, which is shown through his covenant, and which was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Again, the, the goal of the Lord's refining process is not to destroy us, or even to hurt us unnecessarily, but rather to make us more and more like his Son, to make us more like, like Jesus Christ. As God, as God works in our hearts and our lives, that is the goal he has for us. He knows where, where he's taking us to. He's taking us to the point where, where we re reflect the likeness of Jesus Christ himself perfectly. We will receive the same glory that Jesus Christ has received. And it's all possible because of the messenger of the covenant, Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified and who rose from the dead and who will be returning for his people. Through the works of Jesus, we as sinners are forgiven. We are brought under this wonderful covenant of grace. And by step by step and step by step, we are purified. We are cleansed. We are remade in the likeness of Jesus until we see him face to face. So as we, start, as we seek to start our new week from today, let us be reminded that we now live with this messenger of the covenant. We are now in this very process of, of refining and purifying. And so our life may, may not always be easy as, as you may see in other people's you know, lives. But that is for us. That is exactly how God purifies us. And, and that, is, that is exactly how God includes us into his blessing through his covenant. He purifies us. And we are all walking in this process of, of sanctification. So as we start our new week, let us be reminded that we now live with this messenger of the covenant, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father, we give you thanks for your precious word. Thank you again, O Father, for reminding us of your love to us through your covenant. Thank you that you have been always faithful to your covenant you have given to your people by your grace alone. Thank you that you don't change and your covenant will never change. And most of all, Father, thank you for sending us your messenger of the covenant, Jesus Christ, for us. So Father, please continue to, to cleanse us. Please purify us through your words and through your spirit so that we can continue to grow, to become more like Jesus himself. Please give us courage to endure our hardship if, if this process is, is, is rather painful for us. 
Please make us continue to trust in you as you are making our ways righteous and, and holy. And you are making us into the glorious state that Jesus Christ has, has achieved himself. Father, please make us respond to your covenant as we seek to serve you in our life. Please make us love you, remembering that you have always loved us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.